Welcome to Stand at the Table. We are friends in community, part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best relationships come when we are willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In today's episode, we build off our conversation with Chloe and hear from her spouse, Ashley. It's a really interesting journey of the transition from a different perspective. So we hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in to Staying at the Table. We are so glad you're with us today. And we have just a really sweet Um, special guest with us today again. You've been listening or we've been talking with Chloe Milligan and um, her story, sharing her journey with us, which has just been um, so insightful. And again, thank you, Chloe, for all that you've shared. Well, we have Chloe's wife here, um, Ashley Milligan, and she is uh, here to share her part of the story. We, when we were talking with Chloe, we recognized um, that there was a part missing, and we wanted um, Ashley give at, to give Ashley the opportunity to share her story. And so, um, just thank you, Ashley, for being a part of this podcast and letting us pick your brain and and coming in. Ashley's a little nervous. Yes. Yes. But we're so glad you're here. And we, of course, are here with uh, Matt Kissler, who's just got over COVID. Hello. Yay. I'm healthy. He's healthy. And You don't have to worry about getting COVID through a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and the Reverend James Beatty. And, okay. of course, the amazing um, Dave Moore, who is the guy behind the scene doing all the work. And, of course, me, Reverend Dr. Tracy Saletta. So I'm so excited um, to begin today. So Ashley, just want to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us who you are, and then we'll start asking you questions. Imagine it's like an icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my Lord. I hate icebreakers, oh. just so you know. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Ashley. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm you, a teacher. Mm-hmm. I teach fifth grade. Um, math and science and sometimes social studies, but math is my passion. Um, yeah. And you and uh, Chloe have been married, remind us. For eight years. Okay. We have a five-year-old daughter. She just turned five last week. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Anything else? Hobbies. I like to sing and I knit on the occasion. I like to play card games and games. Did you knit the scarf you're wearing? I actually did. It looks lovely and quite fluffy. That's really nice. Very nice. So we have been journeying with Chloe and her telling us her story of um, what it was for her to recognize um, just her identity and um, how that kind of played out. Um, You and she got married while she was 
a male. Presenting male, yeah. Presenting male. Oh, thank you. Good. Presenting male. And um, after you got married, then she began to recognize that she felt like that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you want to start with your side of the story, but I just want to invite you to um, maybe begin when you first had a conversation or you first began to wonder or kind of what was your journey here? Um, so I'll recount the day it happened. Okay. Um, so one, I didn't really have those warning signs. I had no idea. And looking back now, I can see the like red flags and I can see like where where I should have seen something, but I didn't because I I know that Chloe addressed like it wasn't in our vernacular. It wasn't in our perspective at all. We had no like perspective of trans, like and especially of like her being trans. Like we had nothing. So I had no warning signs, but looking back now, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. Um, so the day when she told me, she um, she had been struggling with mental health, and um, and it was during COVID, or like right after. So it was September, March was when COVID happened, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like quarantined. I didn't have a job. Like we were home and you, you had know, just moved up here. Yeah. We had moved. We had been here for less than a year. Yeah. Um, well, maybe around time is, that time is weird. Um, so, but anyways, we had been here and we hadn't really established like huge roots when COVID hit. And then like we're quarantined. We don't have like a foundation or, you know, um, people around us as much. Um, but then she brought, we were going to pick up Iris from daycare and she stopped at the grocery store and she was like, I have something I want to tell you. And so we were in the parking lot in the car and I was driving and she was like, you, we might want to switch places. (laughs) And, um, So she was in the passenger seat. I was in the driver's seat and she was like, I need to tell you something. I think that I might be a girl. And I was kind of like, wait, what? Are you sure? And she was like, yeah, no, I'm not joking. And I was, what, what are you saying? Like, this doesn't, not, not computing, like just not getting it. And she was like, I, I think that, you know, I have these feelings and I have these emotions. And so my automatic response was, one, you're struggling with mental health and Mm -hmm. you're just looking for a quick fix. And so, like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, this doesn't make any sense. This this is not in our perspective. Like, I I don't understand Mm -hmm. at all. Like, you're trying to find something wrong and, like, trying to find a fix for it. And so I, that's where my mind jumped automatically. And then, um, when I kind of realized like, no, she's on this, like, this is, this is where we're going now. 
And it was, I mean, in the car at that moment where I was like, she's not dropping this. Like, she's not being convinced otherwise. I can't, like, get her to, you know, figure out that this is just a phase because that's, that's where my mind went. It's, it's a phase. Like, this will pass. This is something that, like, you know, it can't be real, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so in the car at that moment, I kind of realized, okay, this is, this is real. This is happening. Like, she is fully convinced that this is who she is. What do I do now? And so how do I respond to this? And so for the first two days, I just cried. Like every moment I could, I cried. I was um, devastated, honestly. And I didn't really know how to process it. I didn't know what I was processing, I guess. Mm. Um, But I just cried. And then, so I think she told me on a Monday, on Wednesday, she took it upon herself to shave her own legs and didn't ask for my help. And she told me when I got home from work that day, and I said, are you serious? You shaved your legs by yourself? No, you need somebody to show you how to shave your legs. Like if you're going to do this girl thing, right? You need somebody to show you how to shave your legs. This is a rite of passage. No, we're getting in the bathtub right now. You're, we're going, I'm going to show you what to do. And so like at that moment I was like, okay, if we're doing this, we're going to do it right. Like you have to make sure that you are doing this whole girl thing, right? You need a girl to show you how to be a girl and I'm that girl. So here we go. So there was just like this, like 180 switch in my brain. Like, all right, I have to support this woman because she's going to make a lot of mistakes if I don't, you know, step up and help her out. I'm the woman in her life. Like I've got to, I've got to be that person to show her how things are done. You do not shave your legs by yourself the first time. Like you need somebody to show you like what you need. to. So no, we're not doing this. So there was just this automatic switch. Like, okay, I'm going to support her. Like I need to be here. I need to be supportive. And then I started ignoring all the negative thoughts and started like, okay, so we're here now. Like I can't, I can't not be supportive. I have to be supportive. I have to support her and what she's doing. Like, and we had a brief conversation that first week, not brief. It was, it was long and drawn out, obviously, but we had a conversation about like, um, sorry, backtrack in the mm-hmm. car, <laughs> mm-hmm. back to the car trip. She asked me, she goes, if you want me to hide it, I will, mm. but I want to be with you. I don't want this to like ruin our marriage. Mm. And so I had to make a quick decision because that was more or less an ultimatum. Um, I had to make a quick decision right then. Did I want to be with her as her or did I want to be with her as a fake person? And I was just automatically, I was like, if I love this person and I do, then I love who this person is. And I can't ask them to be somebody that they're not. Mm. Um. So if I love this person, I have to show the love. I can't not love them it's the way that powerful. they're what the way that they are, the who who they are. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I made it a quick decision in the car at that moment, like, okay, I have to support her. Thus the waterworks and then the shaving. And so, um, but after that kind of shaving moment, I decided, you know, I can't have any negative emotions. I can't, every emotion I need to support her. I need to start using the correct pronouns. I need to make sure that I am, you know, supporting her in everything. And, you know, I told my best friend and um, another friend that I had, and I told those two people, and those two people were su- super supportive. My best friend was super supportive in it. And um, the way I started to tell people was I said, hey, this might change our friendship, but I need I need to let you know. Um, and I, I need to let you know something very important. And so I carefully, we carefully chose who we told at mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And it was a very much like conscious decision. And it's um, when you're kind of delivering that news, I don't know if Chloe went over this, but when you're delivering the news that you're gay or that you're um, changing, you know, like who people perceive you as, Mm. um, you typically want to make sure that you leave room for their response. So giving that news in person is not always the best thing. You can write a letter, you can do it over the phone, but um, typically you don't want to see their response Mm. because you want their response to be their response. Mm -hmm. And they're allowed to have whatever facial expressions they need to have in that moment, whether it hurts you or not. And so um, anyways, my best friend, I told her and I said, hey, you know, this is happening and it's a lot. And she goes, well, I'm still your friend. Mm -hmm. I still support you. And this doesn't change anything. And so it was just this wholesome response. And we still like, we went and spent the night um, during the summer. Like she's still a super close friend. Um, And we grew up together in church. Mm. So um, anyways, I... Lost track. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're starting to introduce or uh, and bring people into the knowledge of what was going on, and you're starting with the stories of the people who lived up to their words, right? right? And I would imagine somewhere along there, some didn't live up to their words. Oh yeah. Right? So there's oh, you know, whatever it is, I'm gonna love you. Right. Whatever it is, nothing will change, and so this. And it's great that some of the first ones, it sounds like they live to their word, which right. would be key. But that's uh, that's where I'm carrying on with the story. Right. And I'm listening for uh, when you start getting to the people who didn't quite live up to their word. Yeah. Um, they're, well, so we curated who we told at first. It was very much like a curated, like, we believe these people will support us. We believe that we will be um, loved and it won't be a conditional love. <laughs> um, but we have learned that love is very conditional. Um, and that even those people that um, say that it's, we love you no matter what, 
and I never stopped loving you. Like my love is still there, Mm -hmm. but my approval now is not. And so now there's this distinction between approval and love and judgment and love. And so those are now put in two different categories um, because no one stopped loving me. Mm. (laughs) And I hope you hear my sarcasm there. Mm. (laughs) Um, No one has stopped loving me. In quotes. In quotes. And, but now there's this like asterisk um, on how they perceive me and how, like, whether or not I'm going to heaven and those type of things. Yeah. Um, So I want to go back because to the, I mean, your whole life has now turned upside down. Yeah. Right. And I remember when you and I first met when we came when you and Chloe started attending Cornerstone and um, just your story was profound to me because you looked at me and we can cut this if this is going too far, but you looked at me and you said, I'm not gay, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. but I love Chloe. And it was like my brain blew yeah. up. And then you became my favorite person on earth, <laughs> you know, but can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's profound to me. So, yeah, as I was saying, I, um, I wanted to kind of go through that journey of like doing that 180 and I can't have any of these negative thoughts. So that was super toxic um, because I can't have these thoughts where like I wish that I had actually married a man. I can't have these thoughts where like, I wish that Chloe would go back. I, I can't, I can't support those thoughts. I can't have them. So what ended up happening is I had a breakdown because I'm like repressing all this stuff right. and I'm not really great at repressing anything. I am a little volcano that likes to explode in emotions. <laughs> so when I am repressing things, it's becomes obvious in different ways, but um, I started having a lot of resentment towards Chloe. And so I obviously needed to start therapy. We needed to start like all these things. Mm-hmm. And um, my therapist kind of helped me like realize like, no, these are your feelings. Like you're allowed to have these feelings. Please have these feelings. And it's a safe place to talk about this. And so I was like, oh, oh, okay. So yeah, I actually really thought in my growing up days that I would marry a man. I thought when we said I do, I was marrying a man. I had all these dreams and expectations of being a, um, a quote, normal couple Mm -hmm. and not having, um, and not having to, you know, defend my identity and defend who I am. Um, I thought growing up, like I would be able to walk in a grocery store and hold hands with the person I love and that would be fine. No one would judge me for it. So I had to process that and um, come to terms with like, oh, I actually did have all all these expectations of my life. I had all these expectations of, you know, I'm going to marry this like, 
tall, dark, and handsome man, and, like, he's going to play the guitar, and, you know, like, all these things, and um, he's going to know how to throw the perfect spiral football, and, like, it's going to be great, and, you know, we're going to own the church, like, he's going to, like, you know, be my spiritual leader, and that was actually a conversation that Chloe and I had early on in our dating relationship Mm. that she instantly pushed back on. Um, Being the head. Yeah, being the (laughs) head. And so our marriage, um, even before she came out, was very like, we do things together. Neither of us like always takes out the trash or neither of us like always does the laundry. We both love to cook together. We share those responsibilities or we don't share those responsibilities and we trade, we play trash chicken, you know, like Mm -hmm. who's going to take it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, like we share those responsibilities. And so we've always had that kind of like, no, we both do all the things besides light bulbs. Like I always change light bulbs, but, (laughs) um, and I'm the handyman, like, I have my electric screwdriver and stuff. So like, I've always been like the person who fixes things because that's just who I am as a person. So our, our dynamic has always been kind of shifted. Egalitarian. Yeah. Very egalitarian. Very like we share responsibilities. Um, and even when, um, even when I had Iris, like I breastfed Iris you know, I, um, Chloe wanted to be a part of like, you know, that process. She wanted to be able to feed her. She wanted to get up with her in the middle of the night and those type of things. Like she was very, and I mean, I made her too. I was like, no, you're doing this. So yeah, I was going to say, that's really a gift that she offered. Well, kind of, um, kind of offered, kind of offered, but I was like, no, you're doing this. Like you're an equal partner. You, you helped make this happen. So do this. Um, so I, it's, we've always kind of had that relationship, but I had to come to terms with the fact that like, this is not what I expected. And I started this, I, we might cut this, but um, I started to have dreams and like longings of being with men. And like, I had like, guys from high school, I would have dreams about like Mm. that. I was like with them Mm. and I was like, what is going on? Like, why am I having all these like weird dreams? I'm with Chloe. Like, this is fine. And I remember I had to just let it play out. I had to like, um, have that fantasy maybe like, and just have that fantasy play out and keep going with it and keep going with it and not push it away, but say like, okay, you know, um, I dated this guy right now, like Mm -hmm. as it is, and just have, have to play it out and make sure that like it went all the way like to present day, like we're with Iris, like blah, blah, blah. And then it would be like, oh yeah, but that doesn't work. And so finally, like if I let it play out, if I thought about it all the way through, Mm -hmm. then I was like, yeah, no, but I'm not happy in that scenario because I'm not with Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it had to, I, I figured out that once I started having those longings and those sensations and those feelings, like I had to let it play out because for so long I repressed it and I felt guilty and I felt 
wrong and dirty and gross and betraying Chloe and our relationship. Um, but it was only when I like thought it all the way through and gave the gave it space. Yes, really, that's it. Gave it space to grow to fruition that it could only, then it could die. Yeah, you're making me think of there's a tool I use a lot in coaching called acceptance. And it's being open to your thoughts, your feelings, your circumstances as they are. Right. And letting go of control when control doesn't, isn't working for you. And your terminology, you gave it space, is key. Because we try to shove these feelings and thoughts down and it doesn't work. Right. We need to kind of look at them and allow them. And as you said, bring them to their fruition and then... And then you can enter into where you are now. Right. And I think that's been one of the like key things that I've learned throughout this experience is that I need to let my emotions go. Like I need to let them play out. I don't, when I'm angry about something, when I'm sad about yeah. something, I just need to press in and feel it. Um, and that was a hard lesson. And I know that I'm still learning it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that we're all kind of learning, but it was, it was especially a hard lesson learned then because there are so many emotions going on. Yeah. You know, you're making me think of, you know, with my own personal children, you have dreams and hopes, right? And it's not the same Mm-hmm. So I'm not comparing it, but it's it's around the same line, train of thought. And I remember looking at my husband and saying, we have to let go of this dream that we had for boo 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 because that's not going to happen anymore. We have to let go of the idea of what we thought was going to happen. Right. That's what I'm hearing you saying. You're saying I had to I had to learn how to grieve. Yeah. Yes. What I am losing and accept what I have and be honest. Right. And kind of face it and then embrace what I do have. That word grieve, um, that was a very tough word for me to come to terms with because I, when I, the shaving of the legs back to that Wednesday, I decided, no, I'm not grieving because there's nobody to grieve. Chloe Mm -hmm. didn't die. Mm -hmm. She didn't go anywhere. Like, she's still here. I have no reason to grieve. So I'm not going to grieve. Like, that's stupid. Don't, don't grieve. Like, so I started repressing that. And every time I would get sad about what I had lost Mm -hmm. or what I was coming to terms with, I was like, well, that's stupid. Stop. Like, you can't grieve. There's nobody to grieve. She's not dead. She's still here. She's still the same person that I married. We still, um, one of our reasons that we're married, and I I still go back to this on a daily basis, is that we have fun together. We laugh together. We laugh until we cry together. And we laugh typically every day. Um, we just have fun. Mm-hmm. We, we're two little girls in a sleepover when we're going to bed. Like (laughs) it's so cute. We need an adult to turn off the lights and say, go to bed because sometimes we just laugh and joke for at least an hour Mm. and it's ridiculous. And we're the adults, by the way. Um, 
So it's, it's ridiculous. Like we just have fun together. And so I knew as soon as I made that decision, I knew I couldn't grieve who she was or who I thought she was because mm-hmm. she's still here. We mm-hmm. still have this foundation. We still have this like fun. We still have this. So there's no reason to grieve. And I, it took me a really long time to come to terms with wait, I had expectations. Mm-hmm. Yes. I had this dream and that died. Yep. Yes. The, um, the, who she was died like not in the physical sense, but in the expectations that I had. Yes. And when we said, I do those dreams, those expectations, the holding the hands in the grocery store without judgment, like all those things died. Yeah. And it, it took a lot for me to realize man, I actually have to grieve. Like it's time and Mm -hmm. this sucks and I hate this process. And it wasn't until I actually embraced the like, oh, I I need this. I need this in my life. I need this for Chloe. I need this for me. I need this for Iris, our daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to process this and grieve. And that grieving was not easy to come to terms with. Yeah, I think that's such a a wise kind of discernment around grief. Seeing how grief isn't just about death right. of a of a of a life. It's can be the death of an idea or a hope or a dream. And like you said, you know, we we all experience that in our own context mm-hmm. seeing like for example someone with health issues they can still be alive but you can but there's so much that's lost i love taking walks with you we don't take walks anymore right i loved the personality you had that personality's changed mm-hmm. and is gone and i think there's a lot of wisdom there to to recognize just because this person's still here doesn't mean nothing is lost yeah and Grieving that loss is like the journey to take to be able to to now meet someone where they are and not hold hold them in the tension of who you want them to be. Right. Releasing them to be who they are now um, without the hurt and pain of who you want them to be. Really, grief really needs to happen to kind of bridge that. Yeah, and that that who I want her to be or who I thought she was that no (laughs) um and I was only about embracing it for so long like I was like no we're just going to embrace this this is who you are I'm going to encourage this and it was hard at the at the beginning because she was still presenting male because it was just between us so she was still presenting male and but she would talk like Chloe and then when when she was home like I got her some like girly PJs and I got her some you know women panties and those type of things and so like she would start 
there were small steps and it was it was hard because we were both very confused <laughs> for mm-hmm. a little bit because um <clears throat> and Iris as well like Iris is also a part of this story yeah, as well. We're going to talk about her. Um yeah, sorry. But so we were all just a little confused because you know, there's parts that are changing and parts that are like happening, but also no one else knows. We can't say it out loud. We can't tell anybody. And I, I'm a very open person. I don't hold things in very well. Like I said, I'm kind of a little volcano. Like I don't hold things in very well. And there was almost a year where I had to sit on this mm-hmm. and process it pretty much by myself with my best friend, with Chloe, which I only felt at liberty to process so much with Chloe um, and my therapist. Mm-hmm. And so like there was, but when I'm talking, you know, with work colleagues or when I'm talking with my students, like I can't mention things. And it was, it was weird. It was it was a weird time for me. Yeah. Well, I know at some point I wanted to get to the pieces oh. of of how do you so there's this vision for your life, mm-hmm. right? And it sounds like from what you've said, you embraced a lot of traditional values in male female uh, relationships or marriages, mm. I would say. Um, and then you're living this life that is now very different from that. And you're grieving the death of that, right? Is how I processed our conversation so far. And I'm wondering, what was your process of coming to what now appears to be very comfortable? I mean, you're on a podcast talking about it, comfortable and it, thriving in this new life, right? So there is, uh, how, what were some of the things, both individually and you all as a couple, of transitioning from what was originally presented to you when you met uh, started dating, fell in love, got married versus now the new life that is very different going forward. Is it possible it's, uh, through, uh, to go into that story a little bit? And I know this is kind of the beginning of a <laughs> probably a longer piece. So uh, how do we have that part of our conversation? Um, I think you need to narrow it down a little bit for me. Okay. Um. I think what you're asking is our journey, mm-hmm. like our relationship journey. Well, so one part of it is you as an individual right. in the concept, because you say, hey, when this first was presented to you, not even the language, right. it wasn't a part. So that's one part. Mm-hmm. And then it's the other, of, like you said, you knew you loved Chloe. And then you all were going to have to develop this life together because you see her doing things. They go, hey, that's not how a woman would do this. (laughs) We have to work together for you to completely become what you want to be. And I'm going to be there for you. Right. That's a Mm -hmm. very different mindset of uh, 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 and very different from a from a woman that was embracing to traditional marriage relationship. And I'm trying to. That bridge, oh. I want to understand because it's to me phenomenal. Right. 
And I have, honestly, I don't necessarily know that there was a bridge. There might have been a leap, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, but filling in the gaps, I guess, I think when, when we started dating, um, we had been friends. Did Chloe tell her? She did. Yeah. yeah. So how I was best friends with her sister. And then we got, um, I, I didn't know, um, that we were going to date. She did. Um, I, I didn't. And, um, that wasn't really in my perspective, like when we started hanging out, but I knew that we always had fun. Whenever we hung out, we had this very flirtatious and fun time. And um, we had the perfect date before we started dating. And it was this wonderful time where we watched this really raunchy movie in the theaters. And then we went to Barnes and Noble, or no, Borders. We went to Borders and read each other children's books. Hmm. And it was just the perfect date, but we weren't dating. Like, this is not a date. And I was very clear about that. So, but we, um, but we both left that night and thinking like, that was a really fun not date. Yeah. Um, and then about a year later, we actually started dating. And um, it took a little bit of a mind shift for me because she was younger. I didn't want to date a younger guy. Um, She was younger. She wasn't how I pictured my husband looking. I wanted my husband to be taller than me. She's only an inch taller, so I couldn't really wear heels with her, um, which sucked because I like wearing heels. And um, she... Uh, she played drums. She didn't play guitar. <laughs> so that she got that wrong too. Um, so like she wasn't checking all the boxes right. for me. And so like it took a little bit of perspective change on my point, on my part to be like, interesting. you know, this isn't who I thought I would marry, but this is the person that I want to explore this with. Okay. And the reason we started dating the reason I decided to start dating her was I couldn't see an end with everybody else that I had been dating. Like I always saw like it imploding, like this isn't going to work out because Mm. of this, like, because he doesn't have this or he doesn't believe the same things I do. Like he's very cute. He's very funny, but he doesn't go to church. He doesn't believe in God, but maybe I can change that, but I probably won't. And then he does that. And I don't like that. And then like, I do this and he doesn't like that. Like, so there was always like the, like, this is going to end. And with Chloe, when we started dating, I was like, I want to see how this plays out. Like, I want to see like what happens. And we have so much fun together. And I think like, I want to explore this and I want to see how this plays out. And I think there's not going to be an end because I wouldn't have chanced it because I'm good friends with her sister. I wouldn't have chanced it if I didn't know or if I saw that end. Mm. Um, And I just felt good about it. And so we started dating and um, it, here we are, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I lost track 
So it's yeah. all what I'm hearing you say is it's almost with Chloe, it's been a series of adaption, adaptation, right, and change, and what you were attracted to when she was presenting male mm-hmm. remains there, right, and you want that, right, you want that essence, right. So I'm going to bring. Can, it, I, go can ahead. I add to that? But even. When she was presenting male, there was something that was beyond the surface uh, items that you on the uh, tangibly were saying you wanted in your spouse that was bigger than that. Yes. Right. Because you saw people and individuals that had a number of those and you looked and something else was in them that you said, ah, oh, this is going to end. Right. This is No. And so there was this battle already starting of there's the things I see physically, tangibly that we all want in our spouses and in our mates for life that we articulate to the world. But even those are subject to something bigger you're seeking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that drew you in, even though there are already signals that oh, just matching all these check boxes doesn't mean it's going to last. Right. Right. So that's how I process. Hopefully I'm somewhat on track with where you were thinking as yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. Um, the best dating advice I got when I was like in my dating relationship, and I actually still take this dating advice with Chloe, is date until it's not fun. Mm. And like if you're not having fun, if you're overthinking everything, if it's just it's true, if everything is not working out, that probably won't work out. Right. And so just, I, I still kind of take that perspective, like, are we having fun? Are we making this work? Are we working out our financial things? Are we working out how to parent in a way that like we can do this together? And is it fun? Are we still able to laugh about things? Are we still able to find the levity in the situation? Yeah. And and when we are, I'm like, okay, so we're going to make it. It's fine. <laughs> this is a good day. Yeah. It's good. So I'm going to bring us to a pause, which is what I was going to do 10 minutes ago, but it's okay because this conversation <laughs> is fascinating. And um, just thank you. Thank you for sharing. We're going to go into part two. And I'm curious about Iris. I'm curious. I'm curious about a lot of things. So we'll Understood. we'll touch on that next uh, next session or next time. And I just want to, you know, say again, just it's an incredible thing to have this change in the middle of your marriage and with someone that you love. And I can hear your loving her, wanting to protect her, and and wanting to um, kind of help her. Mm. as well. It's just beautiful. So I really respect that and and really appreciate that. So thank you for sharing part one of your story. So thank you for tuning in today again and um, tune in next time and hear part B of Ashley's story. So thank you to everybody sitting around the table. We'll see you later. Have a great day. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kistler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. 
Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com. Thank you.